Welcome to today's edition of the Paul List Comics and Culture Podcast. Every day I pick a comic and then I provide some analysis, discussion, and critical engagement. I'm Tu Ply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. My perspective is as a cultural critic, academic, and a teacher and preacher. So I try to be analytical since sometimes I get philosophical, sometimes I get a little spiritual. Well, since I do analysis of a comic's work each day for about 20 minutes, I do get into the details. So I always suggest that you read the work first, whether you buy it from your local retailer or digitally. Yes, that's a lightweight spoiler warning. All right, let's dig deep. Today is Thursday, and that means it's our Thursday throwback. Uh, This is when we look at some classic comics. And um, last time that we did this, last week, we talked about the death of Gwen Stacy from Amazing Spider-Man 121 and 122. I think those numbers are right. Um, This week, we're actually going to go in a slightly different um, direction. I don't know about you, but... um, my comic book origins actually started with the collections of the Sunday and uh, daily newspaper comic strips. Um, when I was a kid, uh, an immigrant to the United States, I um, just soaked up with um, unabashed love the you know little horizontal um, books of Garfield comic strips that they had at the library, and I'd pick up the Family Circus and. Um, Pretty soon, you know, and, and really that was the first place where my um, my comics fandom took me into the back catalogs and into the history. Um, before that, I had been a kid in, in Taiwan and I'd read uh, manga, but um, we'll talk about that another day. Um, I started uh, digging around, rooting around in the library bookshelves, and I found the Blackbeard, um, you know, collection of newspaper comic strips and, and things like that. And it really filled in for me my imagination of um, of the the history of of that of that century of the twentieth century, and um, you know I read Dick Tracy, I read Little Orphan Annie. Uh, one of the comic strips that I didn't get much exposure to is something that's been um, collected in the last few years by Drawn and Quarterly, um, largely through the efforts of Chris Ware, who is, if you don't know, um, probably one of the preeminent American cartoonists of the last. Uh, you know, quarter century or so. Um, Chris Ware, his own work merits talking about, and one day I definitely will talk about it here. But um, he has a um, a finger on a pulse of the um, uh, sort of the history of comics as um, Americana, as nostalgia, as a as a form. He has a he's probably our our modern um, master of form, and um, and really understands the architecture of comics, um, both as physical objects and uh, on the page and in the communication, the um, visual structure, language, architecture, poetry, whatever metaphor, whatever comparison you want to use, the way that um, comics look physically and the way that we handle and, and, and touch them and even sometimes uh, smell them or hear them. He just has a, a grasp of that, and he reflects that in his work. Um, and not only on comics as a sort of a publishing interest, um, although he, he's able to extensively get into that, he really gets comics and um, their materiality as it relates to the materiality of our lives. 
he gets comics as a movement through time and the way that those stories and and that experience of comics relates to the movement of time in uh, in real life and uh boy is chris ware ever about real life and and that is why i think he um loves and adores the title that we're going to look at today and has so sort of exhaustively uh, worked with others uh jeet here among them and uh and others uh, i think from john and quarterly to uh to curate the collection of Walton Skeezics. Um, so we are talking about Walton Skeezics. Uh, I don't know if five minutes in I've even named the book. It's um, it's a series of um, collections of newspaper. It's one of these archival collections of the newspaper comic strip. And um, so Walton Skeezics is not the title of the strip. The strip's name is, is Gasoline Alley. And uh, if you have a passing familiarity with newspaper comic strips, you might have seen Gasoline Alley. And the reason is because it continues to run uh, to this day, um, obviously not by its original cartoonist and creator Frank King, but by um, others um, in his in his legacy and uh, one of these comic strips that sort of carefully passed down through a family lineage, you know, family of blood or family of cartoonists. Um, and, but but Frank King started Gasoline Alley um, very early in the days of comic strips. And uh, has a very some unique attributes that are um, worth talking about. Um, I just love them. Uh, you're gonna find them from, as I said, drawn in quarterly. And uh, I think the latest volume is the seventh volume. Um, he started uh, so so basically, Gasoline Alley is a comic strip about a bunch of guys who live in a neighborhood uh, together. That's the alley, and it's a gasoline because they're all sort of a. Uh, uh, you know, gearheads, they're all car guys, and they all um, work on their cars all the time and talk about cars and make jokes about cars and, and stuff like that. You know, just four dudes. Um, and, uh, you know, it began in, in the, uh, as I said, the the um, the 1910s, I think, uh, late, late 19-teens. Um, but uh, the collection begins in 1921, and that's because there was a significant turn uh, that occurred in the storyline. So even though the comic's been named Gasoline Alley, it's become something much different, and, and that's because of something that um, was introduced in the storyline in 1921, which is where the sort of the first volume of this collection begins. Um, and what what um, Ware and, and here and, and uh, John and Quarterly have done is they've collected uh, Walt and Skeezix beginning from 1921 to to 22 that's the first volume uh, they're now up to uh, the 1931-1932 volume each volume collecting two years and they also released a Walt in uh, um, a volume called Walt before Skeezix which is basically the Gasoline Alley strip daily strips before um, before Skeezix is introduced okay so this big turn that I've been building up what happens is that Walt who is um, maybe the central character among our for um you know car enthusiasts who live close to each other Walt's sort of a portly fellow um real jovial what happens is that um somebody leaves a baby on his doorstep rather mysteriously and um when uh this baby is left on his doorstep you know what is he to do but to take take him in um he takes him in he names him Skizix, and he starts raising him and all of a sudden a comic strip uh, that's sort of lighthearted humor about a bunch of 
oldish guys and their wives turns into this family um, meditation on daily living, uh, meditation on on life, a um, you know sometimes a melodrama, sometimes just the most uh, quiet and um, beautiful, you know, like sitting by the side of the lake fishing um, experience of of the uh, fabric of our day-to-day existence. Um, and, you know, we can qualify that day-to-day existence as middle-class Americans in the whatever era, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, really just um, uh, what happened. Okay, so, so Skizik shows up and Walt begins raising the baby. And here we come to one of the significant um, differences. You know, most new- newspaper comic strips, and for that matter, um, comics that are long-lasting in general, are suspended in a kind of time dilemma where you want to keep the characters the same and recognizable year after year, but meanwhile, time is moving. And so Charlie Brown has been roughly the same age for 50, you know, now 65 years. Um, but uh, but meanwhile, the times are changing, right? And so there's there's sort of a relationship to history and, and, and comic book uh, or comic strip chronology that's always an interesting thing to look at. Um, some comics do age. Um, Dick Tracy, for instance, which began in 1931. Uh, is that right? 31? 29? 31, I think. Um, Dick Tracy, you know, the character's age. Um, Junior Tracy, who's sort of this street urchin that he picks up, gradually grows up, has children of his own, and so on. But it's sort of in a shrunk, you know, it's not quite, it doesn't quite match um, real historical time. Uh, he takes, you know, I don't know, 20 years to grow 10 or, or whatever. Um, same is true with um, other comic strips who've done funny things with time and generations and children and so forth. But um, early on, Frank King made a decision that the characters would age in real time. And so if you take these uh, seven volumes of Walton Skizik's like I have in front of me, and you look at the covers with um, a very distinctive, um, the, the sort of stylings of um, of a Chris Ware... Uh, GTR type work, um, you know, from Frank King's original art. Um, oh, and I'm I'm leaving out a name. I realize among the editors, GTR Chris Oliveros, who has a significant plays a significant role. Um, he of uh, of Drawn and Quarterly, I believe, and and Chris Ware. Um, if you look at these covers, you you can you know it's actually really hard to to find the dates that tell you which volume comes in which order. But what you can do is look at Skizix. Because the first volume, he's in a baby carriage. And in the second volume, he's a, he's a toddler who's, you know, sort of um, reaching up to a doorknob. And, and, you know, by our seventh volume, you have a, an adolescent, early adolescent Skeezix. And so what does it mean for a comic strip that lasts so many years when you have to have the passage of time? Um, and, and really the strip does um, hit on, you know, key moments of a person's life. But it seems like more the key moments of actual memory than of what you might, what a biography biographer would capture as milestones. You know, there's a whole ordeal early on in the story about, um, it, you know, that plays out over years actually about custody custody of Skizik's once it, you know, surfaces who his actual um, parentage is. But um, and so that's a significant sort of like you know real life drama that um, you see play out in the comic strip. But, in, you know, interspliced with that and throughout the rest of the strip, there's just the most 
sort of mundane. Uh, you know, we're going fishing, like I was saying, or, or taking a drive for a summer trip or just sitting around the living room uh, in front of a fire. Um, there's just the most mundane daily life that, um, you know, in, in such a beautiful way captures and renders the reality of, um, of our day-to-day experience with uh, this sweetness you know i mean i think comics because they're comic strips because so many of them are meant to either be funny or it's meant to be like captivating serialized drama like you know in your um your rex morgans or whatever or or in your garfield the cat or or whatever um every you know it, you you sort of have to um you have to heighten daily life in order to um, to get that kind of humor or that kind of uh, action or, or excitement or drama. Um, I think Walton Skizik is all about not heightening daily life. It's actually all about depicting with a kind of fidelity the glories and the and the wit and the um, the absurdities and the the uh, wonders of daily life. Um, Walt you know, takes Skeezix and, uh, you know, Blossom, his to-be-wife uh, and then wife, on, on picnics. And they sit around. <laughs> and, and it's fun. It's funny. And there's humor, certainly. And, um, but it's, it's, it's also, it also allows the strip to be poignant. And, you know, that, I think that leads me to think a lot about the, the passage of time in fiction, or, or in this case, the passage of time in comics, because, you know, what makes a lot of comics fun and cool is, is just how much excitement there is and how that excitement can be built up in a story. You know, every week, um, Marvel Comics has to be building toward some ginormous universe-changing event. Um, that's what makes them fun. But, um, they're, they're, uh, but there's something about the passage of time of real time you know the feeling you have when you've had a friend for 12 years or or 24 years or or 48 years and you've seen them grow and change and how uh, you know everything that they say is is in some senses um, a carrier of echoes of many years of your relationship and likewise the payoffs with Walton Skeezix um, you know, you read a single Walton Skeezix or a single Gasoline Alley strip and you might be kind of unimpressed. It, it'll seem old-timey, uh, as they like to say now, um, and you'll just kind of shrug your shoulders. You read uh, a decade of a, you know, an earnest man trying to um, raise a kid the best that he can, and things just, you know, sort of boil over with a poignancy and, and a sweetness that are just irresistible. And it's it's gorgeous. It's beautiful to see. Um, Frank King, who is the creator, um, has a, a pretty fascinating life. And the editors uh, that I named have done a, a also a... a, a w- the, the job that they've done is itself, you know, of, of curating what is um, a ton of introductory material with photos of King and his family, photos of King and his dog, photos of, you know, um, King's family playing in the snow and, and just tons of clippings and biographical information and some retrospectives of um, licensing merchandise and all that kind of stuff. You know, this is the kind of stuff that 
people who are ultra nerdy collectors and archivists who spend their time, their lives really gathering the remnants of, um, of the past. This is museum curation um, done really, really carefully, meticulously. And also the way that um, the story that you read of how they went to really get, get the best um, copies of the strips themselves um, are, is, is pretty interesting. You know, the whole, um, we really are in a, in a golden age of newspaper archive, um, uh, archives of newspaper comic strips, or reprints of newspaper comic strips, and I have a whole lot of them. Um, and they're not always cheap, <laughs> but um, now the, the fact that, I, let's see, I used to read articles about, um, you know, the history of Dick Tracy in the 30s or in the 50s or the 70s, or, or I'd read articles about Walt Kelly's Pogo, and they'd have these little paperback collections that were, you know, sort of falling apart at the seams. Um, and, but, but you could never really re-experience, although you can't re-experience really, but you could never have the experience of what did it, what was it like on Monday to read the strip and then on Tuesday and then Wednesday and then Thursday and then to have that experience go on and stretch out over years. And that's something that, you know, being able to collect the complete peanuts in my case or, or um, the complete run of, of Dick Tracy or Lil Abner or, or all these things that are being reprinted, I am having in a very condensed fashion something like the experience of what it was to grow up and clip newspaper comic strips for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, comics um, in our context can offer a, a unique cultural experience. And I think Walton Skizix is a very special version of that and one that I would highly recommend to people um, who are into comics and people who aren't. Um, let's see, what else is there to say? The, the dailies are con collected, meaning the Monday through Saturday strips. Um, they don't collect the Sundays because in the time that Walton Skizix was a Sunday uh, strip, uh, it actually <laughs> it actually was the kind of Sunday strip that Sunday comics used to be. You know, nowadays you open up Sunday comics, if they still exist, if you still get a newspaper, um, and you might have, you know, maybe like eight pages or four pages of you know, six to three, you know, four to six strips on one page. Um, back in the day, the comic Sunday comics were an event. And, uh, you know, you know, you look at your little Nemo and Slumberland or, or, um, even those early, um, peanuts in the 1950s Sunday strips. And, and they're just reprinted huge and they're glorious. And, um, the things that you can do with that much space are remarkable. I guess the nearest, I think, most people of my generation who haven't looked at that stuff can probably relate to is the uh, Calvin and Hobbes Sunday strips. And of course, Calvin and Hobbes was a genius in three panels or, or four panels, um, but managed to, on in Sundays, use the sort of spread out space to often, um, you know, play with the timing and the rhythm and the movement between panels and, um, you know, the sort of um, it's still condensed storytelling space, but, but, you know, he would be, he would have poetry or, or he would have, you know, um, these, you know, multiple beats of the same face, just changing expressions or something like that. Those things that you can do when you can play around with comics at a page. Um, if you like that stuff, man, the, the Sunday comics of Gasoline Alley 
are a sight to behold and something that we just really cannot, we don't have in our modern experience, especially now that we read so much off of screens and we don't have physical things to, to touch and, and to, to, I mean, it's almost like a museum exhibit. Um, and having said that, I, I would, <laughs> in a qualified way, recommend some, some other stuff that I've gotten, uh, uh, more, most specifically that there's a print in, here in uh, the Bay Area in Palo Alto called Sunday Press Books. And they, they print these massive-sized um, facsimiles of, of Sunday comics. And um, Sunday Press did a Sundays with Walton Skeezics. You can find it on Amazon. It's 16 by 21 inches, which is huge. And uh, reprints in close to original size these Sunday comics. And the Sunday comics that Walton Skeezics did weren't part of the story, uh, the, sorry, that Frank King did with Gasoline Alley. They weren't part of the con continuous story that were that was in the daily strips, which is why they're you know, not included in the um, Drawn and Quarterly collections. But um, each page is really its own magisterial work of art. I mean, uh, again, the things that Frank King is able to do with pacing and space and, and um, color, um, it's... Um, it's glorious, um, and I could really get into some finer grain analysis uh, of what, of some of the things he does, but I won't. Maybe I'll make reference to them in the future. Um, I just want to sort of recommend it, um, and, and I think the other interesting angle fr from which to look at those, and there's also, Dark Horse is also reprinted, uh, and also massive, but um, slightly smaller size, um, those Sunday comics in, in one of these big hardcover type things. Uh, it's still huge, still won't fit on a normal bookshelf. Um, but not quite as big as the spread out newspaper sort of page that um, Sunday Press did. Um, anyway, the the um, when you look at these Frank King Sundays, and you can see the um, the way that comic strip time, the the time that moves across panels, um, and the kind of experimentation that he does with it, um, is is just ripe for analysis of how time and sequence occurs in comics um, just as the daily strips and them and and you know trying to move in a close to real-time maturation of the characters and and you know line up with alignment with events in the world um, you know marks the Walton Skeezik series as you read it similarly the the passage of time across a lazy Sunday <laughs> um, of reading this um, huge uh, Sunday comic strip and the way that King plays with that time is something really worth seeing um, I, I realize that audio in audio it's really hard to, to do justice to what I would love to just show you um, this you know deserves at least a YouTube video um, although that too doesn't quite you know that will always shortchange the experience of holding in your hand the uh, crisp page um, but uh, I guess all this is is pretty much an endorsement. Um, if you haven't read um, newspaper archival strips, it's really quite a different experience. Even from reading those little, um, you know, Calvin Hobbes or Farside collections you used to pick up from the library, there's you know some of the glories of that. But there's also something quite different to um, you know these added dimensions that relate to it, even a nostalgia for. You know, uh, me, I'm a child born in the 80s. I'm an immigrant. You know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm as um, far removed from, you know, what it is to grow up in the Midwest in the 1920s as anybody. But there's, um, 
there's a sense to me of this world is you know what becomes our our world today and this you know life experience um it, you know touches so many of the people who make that that produce culture that help us to make sense of our lives today uh, as radically changed as it is um a few asterisks of course there's a character who um you know is uh, a very much a mammy character a uh the sort of um, live-in housekeeper of um Skizik's and Walt's family um potentially offensive in the way that they render um uh, black characters speech and their physiognomy uh, on the other hand you know there's some introspection about that um and there's also a really good essay about that in one of the volumes introductory material um I think Rachel is her name. I think she winds up having quite a bit of humanity just by virtue of being around and being a person. Um, I, I mean, being around for as long as she is in the strip and being a person. Um, I think she um, she is totally a caricature, um, and that is potentially um, the deepest rooted problem in this book. Um, and yet. Uh, like so many things in this comic strip um not done in the same way that it's done in everything else done with a kind of respect and a kind of um embrace that is is different from other you know i think in other words it's probably too simple to just write it off as racist um sim too simple and, and insufficient and yet uh, undeniable that there is the markings of um what is a, a racist wider culture, wider popular culture? Um, and the last thing is that uh, I once was hefting, carrying around these uh, massive volumes, and I dropped one, and it cut my arm. <laughs> so that is your, your um, warning to beware that these volumes are huge. Um, that is a, um, a characteristic of what these books try to carry, which is the weight of history boiled down into the quintessence of moments. And um, and that weight is, I think, one that the editors, King himself, uh, welcome. So this has been your Throwback Thursday, Walton Skizix, um by Frank King, edited by uh, Jeet Here, Chris Oliveros, and Chris Ware. Um, check them out. They might be at your library. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, see if you can start the f with the first volume. Not the Walt before Skizix. You can go back and look at that. Really the Walt and Skizix, um, 1921 to 1922. And uh, that's it for today. Keep reading. Tomorrow we'll be back with our Friday find. All right.